0: This week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast covers Angels selling Artie Moreno possibly out, the 2023 MLB regular season schedule released, Julio Rodriguez making his big payday, and what's going on with that closer in San Diego? Find out now.
1: Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I'm joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team, and this is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast podcast. Uh, Episode 73 recording right now. It is Monday, August 29th, about 8 o'clock at night. Right now the Yankees are playing the Angels in Anaheim. Lots of other baseball going on around uh, the country. But Travis, today we are going to start the episode off With some news that broke, it seems like it always happens this way, but it broke the morning after we recorded the podcast. Alex, we're
0: the kings of recording the night before big news is about to drop. So August 30th, Tuesday, get ready, Emily fans, because there will be some breaking news most likely. You'll be hearing this episode when you when you hear the breaking news too. I,
1: I I would not be surprised. It just seems like it's the way it keeps going. I think when Pools got DFA'd, we had to wait like a whole week to talk about it, and then
0: Aaron Judge Peds.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's not uh, let's not uh, throw one of the bus too hard. Um, but the big news that came out right after our last episode was recorded is of course Artie Moreno Angels owner, who we have complained about uh, a number of times on this podcast. He is open, quote, quote, to selling the team. To me, that just says he is selling the team. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way you say you're open to doing it. And, like, you're going to get the value. Like, there's no times where an owner of a team in a big market city, um, even though it's Anaheim, it still makes L.A. money. Top eight Um,
0: in MLB right there.
1: Yeah. In terms of.
0: Forbes revenue
1: in terms of how much money they bring in every year, and in terms of the value estimations, it's easily a top ten MLB team. So I don't imagine they'll have much trouble selling. Uh, I guess as an Angel fan, I'm hoping that it happens sooner than later. Because if it gets kind of prolonged, I guess it could be kind of bad in terms of like how it affects our offseason, how it affects Otani. But Travis, uh, I guess give me your first overall reaction because I know when I saw the little Twitter notification on my phone, I'm just I'm just looking at my phone and it just says Jeff Passan tweets. <laughs> I open it, Artie Moreno, you know, I just, I just can't believe it because we've been almost hoping for this day and it finally happened. So give me your reaction. Yeah,
0: I, I got the uh, I got the text from you and an o- OMG and kind of when I get that, I just wondered. What the hell did Alex just send me right now? And then, you know, couldn't believe it. The pass and bomb Artie Moreno, uh, probably almost Christmas day for majority of angel fans or at least diehard angel fans that want to see this team win. Um, you know, there's been a common trend. I feel like the past, you know, almost the past decade where GMs have come in, have been, you know, kind of given some, I guess, minor budget, you know, spending, I would say, yeah. They come in, they spend their, you know, three to four years here, and they go on to bigger organizations, and they seem to always get what they want, and they get the players that they want. We saw it with DePoto. Even though DePoto got some pretty big splashes, but we saw it with Epler. Epler came in. It just seemed like he wasn't giving... Wasn't given the budget that maybe he wanted to go out there and spend on the players that he wanted. Now we see him in New York with the Mets, and he had probably one of the craziest off seasons of his um, career.
1: Immediately won the off season, his first off exactly. on the job.
0: Exactly, and that's with an owner Steve Cohen who is willing to spend the money and wants to have that team success in New York. So you see Perry come in the last year, you know, about almost two years ago, and the last couple off seasons, you know, they've been good, but we have we I think we we wanted guys that we could have easily have gotten Alex. I mean, Carlos Rodon is the biggest one that rings the biggest bell last off season. I know you were extremely high on him and he was one of the last guys to sign after the, uh, after the whole lockout ended. And it was for a pretty affordable contract. It was that-
1: a one year with a one year option. It's like, it anyone, was so affordable. Anyone yeah. could have, anyone could have paid that. How did the Giants end up being the last team at the table for him? Exactly,
0: exactly. So you see them go out there and get a guy like Rodon, when we get a bunch of guys on one year deals. So you just wonder and think, okay, now we really don't have don't have too much team control here. But um, I mean, seeing that news, Alex, it's I think it's really encouraging for an Angel fan to kind of you know enter in a new era of maybe Angels baseball and Angels theme kind of style of how we're going to go about it. Uh, Artie's been the owner since I believe two thousand three when he bought it from Disney. Um, and you know, purchased them for $183 million in 2003 right now, Forbes has it as the eighth highest MLB, uh, was gross profit, you know, organization in major league baseball right now for what? 2.3 million billion dollars. Yeah. Um, I, so I- talk about getting your money back
1: (laughs) he's gonna make over 10 times his investment and over the last two decades he's got to pretty much play puppet master of like controlling uh, a baseball team which is probably what he's always wanted to do Uh, the reason why he got into the business of owning a baseball team uh i saw there was a there was a passing tweet kind of after the big news broke and it was uh, really kind of interesting and thought-provoking to me and it really kind of told me It kind of confirmed like what I thought. And Mm -hmm. it was he said something about like Moreno was one of the most meddling owners active, the most meddling owner, um, meaning that he is one of the owners that I guess messes to be the GM messes with the general management, the front office. Uh, You know, obviously every owner needs things to get approved by them, but he was actually making decisions, making suggestions. I imagine it's really difficult to manage a team, build a team. Uh, create your ideal front office um, when that's your current situation with your employer. And, you know, the other frustrating part about it is no GM is going to throw them under the bus. Like, that's yep. your boss. And, like, you can get fired. You can't be like, oh, yeah, the reason why we didn't build a competitive team this year is because of my owner. I mean, you're going to get fired for that, so you can't just be throwing him under the bus either. But we've kind of thought for at least a while now, a couple seasons at least, you know, the recurring trend here, we're changing GMs, we're changing styles. This season we finally brought in – we we spent a little bit more on pitching than ever before in the last few seasons prior. Um, It helped our pitching get better, but the rest fell off the table. The batting, some of the defense was worse. And that is because we believe uh, a limited budget, right? And and if a new owner can come in and boost that, I think it could uh, turn the organi- organization around really quickly. Um, we know that there was issues in the minors, the angels are always on like, on like these, um, if you see like these people make minor league like report cards for uh, how good your farm system is, angels are always really low in that regard. Yeah. In terms of minor league conditions, um in terms of like minor league pay we're always really low as well so it it just says to me it's so clear if you put more money into the product you will get a greater return in Mm -hmm. terms of the product on the field which will bring in the more money that you're is you know if you want to run it like a business and you want to get the most profit you know sometimes um there's extra investment that will yield that extra product when you actually do get into the postseason and you you know imagine how much how much he would sell out uh, Angel Stadium with Otani and Trout in the playoffs? Yep. You know that's opportunities missed the last couple seasons. But, Definitely, um, Travis. Kind of uh, the next step of this conversation. People are going to be speculating. Already have been speculating. Who's going to buy the team? I think the one thing that we've you know heard that I think we discussed it earlier that intrigues us is uh, Joe Lacob. I believe his name is owner of the Warriors. He is someone who has put a lot of money into the Warriors. He's very adamant. He he, he put a smart GM uh, running the team, and they've been kind of like a mastermind of the NBA. They've won, of course, uh, four titles in eight years, I believe, and uh, they built an all-new stadium, state-of-the-art stadium. Mm-hmm. The ticket prices are off the charts at that stadium, so they're bringing in crazy money while also being successful as a team. That's what you want to see, I think, if you're an Angels fan. Um, I know Kroenke, owner of the Rams, was someone that uh, was mentioned in the LA Times article as well. You know, he spent big money on SoFi. I think he actually told the NFL, I will build SoFi with my own money if you guarantee that the Super Bowl is there two of the next five years. I think think that's how that works. So, like, anyways, Travis… You tell me if you disagree, but I think the best way for the Angels to quickly turn the ship around is to have an owner who is going to invest in a huge way into the ballpark, into the team, into the minors, into all facets of the team. Yeah. It seems pretty obvious to me, but give me your thoughts on that next step.
0: Yeah. And I know we mentioned, you know, when the news came out that it was he was open to selling the team, you know, AKA he probably is looking to sell the team. It's going to happen. Um, the big question was, you know, who's it going to be? I know people were thinking, oh, is it going to be Steve Ballmer, Clippers owner? Is it going to be um, Mark Cuban, Dallas Mavericks owner? A lot of people, even people were thinking Elon Musk as well. You know, just so many so billionaires of the people
1: world. People were just saying billionaires, rattling them off. Yeah.
0: One of those guys was me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyways, um, you know, the two guys that you noted it down, um, the one thing I really like about the Warriors, the Warriors owner, is of course you know you look at that team that he built with uh, with Golden State, the development off the charts. I mean, drafting Curry, drafting Draymond, drafting Clay Thompson. I know we're getting more into NBA talk right now, but talk about the it, development it applies, aspect right yeah. there. Like, and then of course you win a championship with that development, but then you go out there and spend the big money on a guy like Kevin Durant, so you have the money to also get the big performers, the the A ones of the league that you can bring him in and plug them in and make that team again successful
1: above and beyond right because they were a good team and they're like we are not done we are going to pay kevin durant uh a monumental contract we are going to build a state-of-the-art stadium even though we're selling out our arena as it is we want to go above and beyond um i think that I also saw people online saying something like, how do we know that a new owner is going to be this big spender? Maybe they're going to be similar to Moreno or maybe they're going to be a more penny pincher, um, like small-time mom-and-pop organization. You can in (laughs) SoCal. And and yeah, Charis, to me, it's – if you are going to buy a team, I think – I think, like you said, Forbes had him at two point something billion. I think that it will probably go for three billion ish. I think that when you got (laughs) Otani,
0: you got billions of dollars on the line. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Otani is bringing in extra revenue for next season, assuming he's not traded. It makes a lot of sense why um, I guess we knew that Moreno was really against trading Otani because if you traded him uh, for a Hall of Prospects, it kind of pushes your contending window down the road and maybe an owner whenever an owner comes in Travis they want to win now I mean of course Co- yeah. Co- Cohen made it very clear for the Mets that they were not a playoff team but they had some good pieces like Degrom, Grom uh Alonzo and stuff and they said let's let immediately just stack um, the deck and let's just <laughs> all, in all in right now um if I spend enough money we're gonna win right the answer is probably yes yep. so uh I think an angels owner would be looking to do the same with otani and trout next season so hopefully they can get a deal in place sooner than later um i did see some whispers or someone mentioned that um the nationals went for sale uh, beginning of the season and have not really struck anything new in terms of an owner getting close to a deal or anything like that so because of that angel fans we should cross our fingers that the mlb doesn't say like hey Let's focus on one thing at a time and let's do the Nationals and then we'll sell the Angels. Let's just, I mean, Angels, I think, are going to have more demand from other owners based on not only location, but also the status of the team uh, as it stands. Even though the Angels record is not that good right now, um, you have Trout, you have Otani, the marketability is off the charts. Um, Every season you're selling tickets up until the point where you're out of the playoffs pretty much. So Mm -hmm. um, I think most teams from a business, or sorry, most. Potential owners, from a business standpoint, understand what could happen if they buy the team and run it uh, properly. And and one
0: thing I'll say is the Nationals had one Soto going for them. That was their pretty much their only bright spot. So an owner could have that. um But you know, once so one Soto is pretty much one dimensional, kind of like a Mike Trout, but Mike Trout just a super freak. But I would say the team wasn't doing very well. That you know, Nationals aren't probably looking to do pretty you know good for the next couple seasons. They're in this rebuild mode where the Angels are this optimistic team. They have you know. Just the the biggest freak of the world right now in Shohei Otani, what he's doing. The biggest, the most marketable player in Major League Baseball in Shohei Otani. And then, of course, you have Mike Trout, the best player of our generation so far. Um, You know, as an owner, you look at two of these figures in the game and two of these figures on the same team, and you can't help but say, you know, I want a piece of that cake, Alex. So I I can definitely see owners just, you know, hungry to, 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 to make a bid at this team and to try to get this team um, you know, in their cusps and they can start, you know, make mixing and matching what they want to do with the team. And, uh, you know, looking at ways to spend, looking at ways to maybe get, uh, you know, organization on what they think it would be. But like we said, hopefully the new owner is someone of course is driven to win first and spend money to win. And that, you know, they're looking at, you know, making the organization as a whole, kind of a healthy, uh, I would say a healthy environment as a whole. That means minor leagues getting the development back on track. I think that the past what five years development has just been very shaky. I mean we, you, you see teams every now and then I feel like the Dodgers every single year have a new guy coming up into the major league team that was in the minors and they're just an impact player right away and it's just like so now you have five players the past five years that have basically are on minor league deals getting paid you know getting paid chump change practically right and they're already making the all-star team. They're already contributing at such a high level. And, of course, you're also paying the big bucks to a guy like Mookie Betts to, you know, even when Kershaw was on his big deal. But it's just crazy that a team like the Dodgers, they're getting such so much help from the development and also from the spending that it's creating this just rumble of success that, you know, it, it can't be stopped. And like we said last episode, the last 10 years of the Dodgers in L.A., I mean, it's been a it's just been a dynasty. So, yeah, it's just crazy what you can do with the development and the spending aspect.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like definitely the. It's like the secret formula for like a great uh, mm-hmm. sports team is having the elite uh, spending in terms of bringing in free agents, making trades, extending those players, and then also putting money into the development, being smart with your kind of research and build up the farm, tweak your pros. I mean, you bring in, Dodgers bring in a guy like Tyler Anderson, Andrew Heaney. I could have told you these guys are going to thrive. Like even if they're not amazing, they will be some of the best years of their career will probably be with the Dodgers because they know how to get the most out of their players. And one last thing, Travis. I mentioned uh, Stan Kroenke already, who is the owner of the Rams, as well as other teams. Like, I mean, he's. I don't even know how much money that family has, but uh, <laughs> they own. I think the Rams, the Av. My watch is trying to chime into the conversation, but uh, <laughs> they own the Rams, the Avalanche uh, in Colorado, the hockey team. They also own the MLS team in Colorado. They own Arsenal in England, the soccer team. They own like too too many teams. The Arsenal
0: one's a big surprise. And that's, they, that's 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 rich money right there. I,
1: I think they also own a team in uh, the Call of Duty League, Travis. So they're even going into esports. But wow, that's, uh, that's call a Duty <laughs> they, they they don't they don't stop, but. Anyways, they're, they're not in baseball yet. They do not have a baseball team. So if the Cronky family or whoever's in charge of that wants to get into uh, baseball, all I know, Travis, is that I've been kind of supporting the Rams since they've been back in L.A. And tell me, I'll tell you, it's been a blessing knowing how they are down to spend to win. It's mm-hmm. not even like a hesitation. It's just so crazy how, um, you know, they'll extend Aaron Donald on a record deal. They'll extend Cooper Cup. Um, they'll trade. You they'll know? <laughs> they'll, tr- they'll trade for Bobby Wagner. They traded for Jalen Ramsey a couple of seasons back. Miller, they know. traded for Stafford, extended him. It's literally like they are never afraid to go all in every season. And people, people, I see people in the off season like when, when we got Bobby Wagner, the linebacker. People were like, man. Do the Rams not have a salary cap? Do they have different rules than everybody else? But no, it's like it just comes down to the simple fact that I think when the owner is down to spend more and the GM is kind of aligned mentally with uh, having those resources and understands the owner is down to provide those resources, it just makes for this combo of um, great spending and you put also money into the development. It's
0: uh, and you're getting money from playing in playoff games. I mean, you're you're getting millions yeah. of and probably you know hundreds of millions of dollars from playoff games which is going to of course you know help out the spending from for the next year and the next year and the next year you know it's
1: because you think about the rams they build sofi they know we got to bring some superstars yeah. to play in this stadium that will lead to more ticket sales that will kind of bring us a return on our investment so same deal for angels if a team really wants to uh or if sorry if a new owner really wants to make the most of it, they're probably going to do whatever they can to try to extend Otani because he fills seats. You bring in other supporting talent, to Trout and Otani, more pitchers, more depth uh, in the infield, outfield, everywhere pretty much. Uh, reinforce the team at all levels. Um, I think there's no way that uh, it doesn't make sense to just, you know, more money equals more wins for your team equals more money back in your pocket. So yep. uh, I that's just my little rant of saying owners need to spend more money. We just because- want to see
0: the seats – Sold out in August, Alex? Yeah, Travis. And and not just when the Yankees are in town, but when the Oakland A's are in town or when the the Texas Rangers are in town. The thing
1: that happens every season, Travis, the last few years, August rolls around and all of a sudden, Travis, you and I both, we get these emails, right? (laughs) Tickets are on this discount. Extra giveaway days being added. Oh, fan appreciation weekend They'll pick some series where they think the attendance will be low, like maybe against the A's or the Rangers, and they boost the ticket prices to be like 20% off or whatever in certain sections. The Angels just,
0: just drafted uh, ninth in the MLB draft, and tickets will be $9. Yeah,
1: it's like, okay, it sounds like we're 15 games below 500, <laughs> and you're just trying to get the seats filled. The seats could have been filled if you just paid a few more players uh, to be on our team, uh, a little bit bigger And contracts. we'd be in a wild
0: card chase right now, but yeah.
1: Rant over, Travis. Let's try to move on for the sake of our listeners. But um I think, you know, it's a very exciting time. Travis, last note on it. I was pretty doom and gloom about our future. I was like, oh, Tani's probably gonna leave. Yeah. Um, lot to be sad about, you know, we just traded away some kind of win now pieces in like Resol Iglesias, almost kind of admitting defeat in some ways and yeah. saying we're yep. not ready. Um, we need to kind of recoup this off season and and you know. Build a bigger, a better foundation because our infield's not been cutting it. Mm-hmm. Our outfielders are kind of young and, and unproven. We need to kind of reevaluate everything. Yes, yeah. All of a sudden, new owner Travis and my confidence maybe maybe it's irrational. My confidence is completely restored. Just knowing if we get a Steve Cohen type that wants to pump money into the team, it's gonna be uh, explosion. Yeah. It'll change everything. It'll change everything. But let's move on for reals this time. Travis, another really kind of breaking news that happened in the last week was the extension of Julio Rodriguez, uh, Mariners outfielder, rookie sensation, by all means has been leading the path for rookie of the year all year for the American league. We debated last week about if Rushman's in that mix. I still think Rushman is really making a good case for himself, but mm-hmm. there's no denying how special Julio has been this year. And it's looking like there's no slowing down for him. I don't really see how he could be anything but a special player going forwards. Yep. So here's the details. I'm not going to get too into the, the, the deep details because it actually is a very complicated Uh, situation with this contract there's many different options and extensions but essentially according to this tweet by jeff passan when the deal was announced it guarantees 210 million um the deal could be for eight years 13 years 16 years or 18 years and that all depends (laughs) on if everybody keeps opting in um there's going to be different times where Julio could opt out if he wants to be a free agent, like at age 30, maybe. Or the team could also opt out when Julio is like 27, 28, if maybe he just becomes like this injured kind of guy or Mm kind of loses his his mojo a bit. But um, the base of the deal, it says here, is around eight years, $120 And there's all these incentives for when he wins MVP, two MVPs, top five finish, you know, it changes the amount that he's going to win uh, per season after that. And then there's also um, if everything happens, if it, everything maxes out in terms of the incentives and he gets that full like 18 years, uh, plays itself out, that'd be $470 million, which would be the biggest contract ever. Mm-hmm. But this when is the time comes. <laughs> this is my thought, Travis. I think that even though $470 million is a huge number. My opinion is that four seventy for eighteen years is not that much money. No, yeah. No. I I, I think I did the math at first. I think it's a surprisingly small amount. Let me just double check it's, my it's, I think
0: it's less than thirty easily, right? Probably like twenty-two million a season. It's twenty-six a season. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And
1: and Travis, in in,
0: in his prime, that's that's in, a rip. <laughs>
1: in fifteen years from now, who knows what players are gonna be making per year, yeah. right? They could be making a hundred per year for all we know. Yeah. I already hear talks about the NBA, Travis. Right now, the best NBA players make around fifty million a year, yeah. a little bit more than that, mm-hmm. maybe. Um there's already talks, Travis, that uh the media deals they get reset and they get renewed and like yeah. uh more people buy into the NBA. And, like, you know, ESPN and TNT, they have to buy the new contracts. Yep. I guess the new media deals coming up for the NBA, and people are already saying, like, the next set of free agents, like, I think it's maybe next season, or maybe it's year after, but I think it's next season. It's going to be, like, maybe $70 million per, like per year. Yeah, so, like, yeah. the numbers are going to skyrocket as, like, new media deals kind of come around. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that would be any different for baseball as well. So my thought, my prediction is if this thing plays itself out, I think Julio is – uh, not getting as much money as he might be able to earn if he were to opt out earlier. But that's why the opt out is there, right? The exactly. opt out is there for if it looks like he's getting almost like an Acuna type deal uh, in five years from now. Or maybe the money goes way up and he's still down in the in the, in the the low 20s, millions or whatever it might be. Um, I think if there's no incentives, it's actually like he's making in like the 15 million a year range up until he gets to like a certain point. But um, anyways, Charis Give me a reaction to when the deal happened, uh, what you think of what it means for, you know, Julio. And if you think it's a fair deal, or if you think more like me, maybe it's, you know, maybe he could be earning more if he kinda plays the opt-out game and, and yeah. reevaluates down the road. Yeah,
0: it's 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 the strategy we're seeing by a lot of MLB teams now. The Braves in to be specific they have been doing this you know for the I feel like the past like four years with Acuna with Albies with with um, Austin Riley with Michael Harris I mean Michael Harris is a good player but I don't think he's on the superstar path as you know Acuna or Julio are on so
1: I I think the Harris deal was like I think it's less than 10 million a year yeah but it's like for seven or eight years so they're pretty much saying we're gonna guarantee you this money but we're kind of getting a discount on the per year. Exactly,
0: exactly. And for a young kid, I mean, for a guy like Harris, you could say, hey, maybe, you know, a freak accident happens, or maybe I just don't become uh, the player that I was, you know, grown to be, and I'm just having a really good rookie season. But um, who knows? You know, at least I'm going to be reassured that I'm paying 70 million through the course of, what, seven years or something like that. But, um, you know, with Julio, it's, it's real. I think it's, it's, of course, really nice that you can say to yourself, you know, I'm already going to be guaranteed, what, is it 200 million so far right now?
1: uh it's around there yeah. around
0: there but with Julio I mean I think that his stock will of course only rise as he gets older and older right now Alex I mean, he's 21 he's not even you know he he's he's not even 22 years old already and he's already got a max you know a really good deal same thing with a guy like Wander Franco I mean some of these guys they want to say to themselves you know and you can probably say to their families back in you know Dominican Republic that you know I made it I got the money now no I matter can,
1: what I, happens we're set
0: we're, we're set exactly and I think that's what's really important as well and you know what sometimes these guys might think you know what Forty is cool, but you know, 20 million, in my opinion, is probably the same amount of money. And that's pretty much all I need. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, 20 million and 40 million, yeah, some people might think that there's a big difference, but you're still really rich. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, good for Julio getting the money that he uh, he deserves, at least from what he's doing this season. I, mean, I only think that he can get better and better right now. I mean, he's looking to have a 25 25 season in terms of home runs and, and stolen bases. So, that's pretty impressive so far to be with your rookie season, but, um,
1: I mean, he's going to be, if you had to guess right now, where do you think he finishes the MVP conversation top? Oh, this season. Yeah.
0: You know, I, and you know, a rookie, if he wins rookie of the year, I think that we could definitely be looking at a, a top 15 for sure. I think even, even possibly a top 10. I mean, also
1: if the Mariners make the playoffs, it'll help them that much more.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And what, and also I, you know, for incentives and what he did for the home run Derby, I think that also is just kind of a a shining spot in this year. And that's why I think that him winning the rookie, the the rookie of the year this year um, is, is probably really going to happen. I mean, like I said, unless Baltimore makes this insane run, they really can still to make the wild card. Um, and Adley just goes off in September, but right now I feel like Julio is just the attractive pick for almost everybody. But, um, for me right now, it's, it's, it's good to see he's taking the money right now. He wants that guaranteed money and, you know, rightfully so, but what he's been doing, um, it's been special. And so, uh, you can't blame him for taking that right now. The only thing of course, you know. Looking at a guy like Acuna, I think what, what's Acuna making? Like twenty million or something like right now. It's, it's I mean, in it's, that
1: it's in that range, and he's like locked into it till like late twenties. So it's just like which you, sucks, but you know, at the same time, I mean,
0: you know, I I can I can say one thing, you know, at least you're getting paid. At least you're getting the money right now. Um, of course, you could be making a little bit more money.
1: <laughs> I think you can make making a lot more, a lot more. Yeah. He, sh- he if should he should be in the thirty five million. If, if you season. think about what Soto conversations are kind of like right now in terms of he denied like a 450 million or whatever it was you know yep. imagine what a queen would, would be getting offered yeah, like yeah, he'd be yeah. getting the similar 400 mil, 400 the mil similar not, yeah. kind of deals um for sure so uh i think that right now um it makes sense to kind of take some guaranteed money cuz you know next season is, isn't is promised you know maybe something hap- I, I think in terms of his uh his skill set i have no qualms no doubts it's yeah. pretty obvious yep. that he's on the track to be one of the special players seems like almost like the next the next acuna almost in my mind even though acuna still is acuna but um
0: (laughs) yeah the speed uh, and the power is there with julio and it's already showing right now so
1: uh yeah but travis you brought up kind of an interesting or you kind of brought up like a a key point which is these other teams have been doing this right uh the braves have been doing this Rays now been doing it yeah Rays with franco I, i can I can only imagine Baltimore's going to lock in Adley as soon yep. as they possibly can. Um, these, I,
0: I, I would even imagine after the season's up, I would not be surprised if you see an Adley, you know, 10 year extension
1: or something like that. So Travis, that brings me to this interesting question that I thought of. Uh, and I want to hear your thoughts. I, and obviously hindsight's 2020. And yeah. so it's hard to say um, with what we have now, if it makes sense back then, but mm-hmm. after 2018 or so, do you think the Angels missed out on a big opportunity? They could have offered some sort of deal like this for Shohei Otani. Obviously, um, he won Rookie of the Year. He had a two-way season. He did get hurt at one point and kind of stopped pitching. Yep. But he still had, like, I forget, like, Tommy John in twenty eighteen it had to, you know. But was it like he still had like seventy innings pitched in his rookie year, eighty yeah, innings pitched, yeah. something it like that? It was still it
0: was still a decent amount. So yeah.
1: and, and it was a good ERA. We knew he could do we, we knew he could do both in his yeah. rookie year, but mm-hmm. we didn't know how successful, how consistent long term. He has proven to be uh at least one of the, if not the best players in baseball, um, in the last two seasons. So Hindsight is twenty twenty, and you wish you could have extended them a lot younger. But do you think the Angels, uh, you know, really dropped the ball? They didn't get on this wave of um, getting locking your your young guys in while they were still uh, on their rookie contracts to a big extension, because now he's just gonna oh heading towards record deals. Yeah. So give me your thoughts on, I guess. Did did they really drop the ball or do you think they made the smart play waiting and seeing?
0: You know, I I would say they dropped the ball just because Shohei can do two things. If he can't pitch, he can hit. If he can't hit, he can pitch. So it's almost like, hey.
1: The chance of failure is slimmer than most players. If one
0: doesn't go as we planned, at least he can do the other thing as well. You know, he can can do both at an all-star level. So I will say they dropped the ball with that. Um, Alex, I mean, in 2020, I mean, I, I was definitely looking at an Otani as, you know, Kind of a small bust just because of what we saw in 2018 and then 2019 couldn't pitch um was able to still hit hit at a very good level but not the same level as his rookie of the year in 2018 and then 2020 batting average 190 you know ops at a 657 ops plus at a 79 so well but be- well below league average and then the pitching i think we saw him pitch what two innings and his era was like
1: 20, yeah. he tried like, to you think he tried to start two games couldn't like get through the first and either really
0: couldn't locate couldn't i mean i think he what walked like 10 guys in like two innings Something it, like it, that. it, it was outrageous and so it got the question it definitely sparked the interest of you know would angels ex- explore a trade right now but even though his stock is so low but it could possibly rise then of course 2021 happened and then he became Um, the greatest male athlete of the century. So uh, it is I think a bad uh, you look back and it's a bad situation after 2019. Maybe the Angels should have looked at it and said let's try to extend this guy give him a 10 year deal 150 million dollars or something like that and then of course we'd be paying this guy 15 million dollars a year and just taking in all the marketing promotions all the marketing uh, you know global money that we'd be getting from Japan all the viewers out there and then of course all over the world. Um, looking at Shohei and what he's doing. So it, it is kind of a dropping of the ball because he doesn't play just one position. He plays two. And if he can't do one of them, he could probably do the other one very, very well. So, I mean, I mean, look at his speed, Alex. I mean, he'd be a tremendous outfielder. I mean...
1: It's a good point because even if his elbow went completely bust... Um- if they paid him to like whatever deal Julio kind of, not a, not not the Julio type deal, yeah. it would have been a lot less at the time, I think at least. Not sure what his team, his management team would have agreed to, his, his agent and stuff. Yeah. Maybe they would have said, well, we want to wait because we think he can make a ton in free agency when he hits that point. But I think back then, if you guaranteed him like a decade or maybe like seven, eight years up until his like really late 20s, 29 or 30, yeah. then you can renegotiate in free agency Um, I think something like that would have been enticing for him as well as for us. And I think, Travis, it it almost to me feels like just another example of the Angels kind of not being uh, on the hot trend, always kind of in the past. They always pay guys for past performance, not future performance. Um, And I think it would have been so wise to be out in front of Otani and much like the Braves and the Mariners and the Rays, almost seeing what could this guy be for us for the next seven, eight yeah. plus years. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a lot more special than, you know, now we're in a situation where we have not yet made the playoffs with Otani and we're in a situation where we either are, well, one of these few things, there's only a few ways this could uh, turn out. One is we trade him for prospects. Two is we extend him for i mean it would be a money that he deserves Mm -hmm. but there'll be way more than what it would have been a couple years ago if we extended them earlier um so almost bad timing of our analysis of his performance
0: you're buying Um, amazon the stock now and and instead of 20 years ago yeah it's like
1: it's like you (laughs) your buddy told you to buy amazon stock in in In
0: 1999 and (laughs) and you waited till 2019 yeah
1: but you know uh it's If you bought Amazon stock in 2019, you'd still have a lot more money now than you did then, Definitely. which is why I think Otani even paying whatever money he wants right now, I'm in because he's going to continue to go up his stock. But then the, the last option would be him walking in free agency um it's going to be one of those things that's going to happen so and, and you know what really intrigued. sucked
0: too is is 2018 you know that was the last year of Socia. they had to focus on getting a new manager they got osmus for 2019 and then they had to get a new manager for 2020 and joe madden then they had to get a new gm it, it just felt like years after years after years it was okay who's and, the new head coach
1: and now we'll be now it'll be a new owner it now will be a new owner and every, also possibly every-
0: even a new head coach as well or new manager. So oh, it will be for it, sure. It, it, it's just it's going to be change after change after change, and that's one thing that's been frustrating too is that we've seen all of Shohei's all of Shohei's career. I mean, he this this will be if he's on the team next year, he will probably have. I mean, counting Nevin, he's going to have five managers in six years. Yeah. I, I mean, that that that's pretty. Sad it's got to, to, to be unprecedented yeah it, it, it's it's pretty sad to look at that and you know you have Trout and Shohei on the same roster and you go through five different managers you got to think someone had a freak accident or died or something like that but it's just been changing of the guard so many times and of course new GM i know people on twitter are always saying you know we need a new GM as well and again i don't know why you want to kind of change the style that we're trying to you know shape ourselves into and then rechange it again it just makes no sense so i of course want to give Perry the GM you know uh, a couple more years to see what he can give us and you know maybe a new you know owner will definitely you know help that as well but um it, it's it's definitely a dropping of the ball i feel like from those first couple of years especially after the rookie of the year i mean now if otani was doing that this year his rookie year and he was still 23 i think it'd be almost um you you have another option but to extend this guy to a 10-year deal or, so, or to an eight-year deal seven-year deal till he's 30 then you can reevaluate it and say okay now you're 30 going on to uh you know what do we want to see go to five years, eight years? You know, do we want to pay you all the way to age forty? You know, who knows? But um, it's definitely, I think, a dropping into the ball the last, you know, especially those early years.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned kind of evaluating GM Perimonassians, you know, how he's done. And I really feel uncomfortable or at least un I feel unable to properly evaluate how the GMs have done in the last, you know, five plus years mm-hmm. because Travis we just constantly see these stories that indict uh, the owner, Artie Moreno, uh, for interfering with the processes. We know he nixed trades, that he was worried about the Dodgers getting the better end of the deal, so he would <laughs> he just would pull the plug out. Um, and then, Travis, the recent story that came out, uh, it, it's believed that, or it was reported that back in the early 2000s, 2010s. Yep. Artie Moreno and uh, I'm not sure what his title is. Carpino is he like? Uh, uh,
0: president of operations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: They they both went to Texas to make a deal with Josh Hamilton, right? Yep. While yep. the uh, the general manager the was Poto. still in Anaheim. Yeah. So imagine it's your job to build a team, and your boss just kind of pays the checks, but he goes over your head and goes and meets with a player and gets a deal done. I mean, and and. and it's the classic example of an Angels signing where we gave a big deal to a guy who was really good at the time. But if you had to say what were his prime years, you could have said it's probably what just happened in Texas, not what's about to happen in Anaheim. You probably could have guessed that right when the deal was signed. You know, it's just one of those classic examples of. Um, we're not really looking for the guys about to break out. We're looking for the guys who just broke out and now we're almost overpaying for something that's mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. probably in the downhill. So, um,
0: and I think you shared the one where he, uh, he even made the trade with Vernon Wells.
1: Yes. I, I heard that as well. With I'm Tony,
0: not... Tony Re, Re, Regans or regions as the GM back then. And right. I mean, that, and every, that, I, that, that was an all time angels L and we know it because Mike Napoli got shipped off and we saw what he did in Texas and you know. Juan Rivera got shipped off to, I think, Toronto and then to the Dodgers. And, you know.
1: And Wells was just like a negative player for us yeah. pretty much. So <laughs> it's 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 just another example of, you know, uh, Wells was an all-star before um, coming to the Angels. And he had a
0: career year the year before the Angels. And what happened? And Travis. A that, career low
1: year. That is why. Uh, I'm very interested to kind of take a look at the free agents and stuff this coming off season, because once the season ends and the postseason is over and all that and the World Series is over, we're going to have to do a little like, you know, breakdown of how we see some teams approaching the free agent market. And I really feel like a classic Angel signing might be a guy like Dansby Swanson, who... I think he's having a great year and I think he's a really, Career, good, a really yeah. good player that's performing well. It would be the classic Angels move to give him like a six, seven-year deal and immediately he just like goes back to like what he did uh, in like uh, 2019 or 2020 or whatever yeah. when he was like a solid player but a role player, not a superstar, not an all-star. Um, I just am waiting to see who's the next guy that uh, is performing at his absolute best and Artie wants to buy him as a shiny new toy. That's why my hope is, I like how we got back to the Artie Moreno thing, but <laughs> uh, my, my hope is that this off season is controlled by a new owner instead of Artie Moreno because I don't want to see what the next big contract um, that he's going to try to use to kind of fill seats and sell jerseys. I really want to see a more consistent kind of team building process. Um, we have multiple holes to fill, so I want the money kind of spread around. Um, and also into the minors um, because we got tons of exciting players coming up that are hopefully going to contribute in the next couple seasons. But uh, Travis, let us move away from the Angels again. Um, a couple other things going on in the baseball world still. I guess one thing we can go to right now is uh, Josh Hader. Travis has kind of been in a lot of tweets, a lot of headlines because of how poor I guess he's been performing with the Padres. Not only was he been pretty much not unusable, but every time they've used him, it's been a complete disaster for the Padres. But even right before the trade, um, when he was still a brewer, some numbers were really, really bad. So I'm going to read you some stats and then you give me your thoughts Mm -hmm. and your breakdown on the situation. So here's a few stats. Uh, From Codify Baseball, Josh Hader has allowed 28 earned runs in his last 21 innings pitched he allowed zero earned runs in the previous 38 innings pitched. So that that just 28 earned in the last 21 innings makes no sense to me, knowing the guy he is. Yeah. The next stat from uh, at Passing Jim. Uh, in Josh Hader's first uh, 259 career games, Travis, he had 74 earned and 525 Ks. The next 17 games... He has 25 earned and just 24Ks. So just another uh, kind of stat that shows how crazy this stretch has been. Um, Travis, in the last 17 appearances, his career ERA went from 2.16 to 2.78. Think about that. Career ERA shifting from a 2.1 to a 2.7. It just shows how uh, devastating this has been to his Career resume in a way. Mm-hmm. If you look at like you know Hall of Fame stuff down the road, this is changing, you know, everything in just a short amount of time. And the last stat I have here is hater with the Padres. Uh seven games, four and two-thirds innings pitched, 12 runs allowed, 21 base runners, and a 23.14 ERA. Um stat insane. Stats over Time for analysis, Travis. Give me, give me your thoughts.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I saw it today earlier on Emily Network. They were covering Josh Hader. They just basically said, you know, before Fourth of July this year, numbers were great—a one point three five ERA. Something happened after Fourth of July. I don't know what, I don't. I don't know if he. If,
1: oh, and I want to add one more thing, Travis. Uh, I don't know. I saw this for the first time today. Yeah. I don't know anything about it, but apparently he had a kid in the hospital a baby or something like that so i don't want to you know slam the guy maybe there's other stuff going on yeah yeah Um, background i I, I think that happened when he was still with the brewers and the brewers weren't making him travel to away games for some time that's all new information to me so i'm not on top of it so i don't want to slam the guy who knows what's going on yeah yeah but yeah on the field he wants to be his best and he has not been that so please continue yeah
0: and, and and alex i'm even going back to earlier this season we were so high i mean it's May. It's, it's actually June 5th, Alex, and he has a zero ERA still in the season. Yeah, I mean, he, he has not given up an earned run yet. He, he has not pitcher, given up a home run yet.
1: Our reliever of the year the whole way until and, then.
0: And we were talking, I think he honestly had a scoreless or a zero ERA dating back to like it was August or July of 2021. And I was thinking to myself, could he go a full calendar year with a zero ERA? That would be one of the most impressive, you know, almost stat lines that I've ever seen. So um, it, it's just very insane and concerning that I mean what he's been able to do uh you know wh- or what he's done in July till now and then of course what he's done since he got traded to San Diego from Milwaukee because the numbers were not very good when he was doing his last month with the Brewers I mean th- that th- the one biggest concerning trade that I want to say is I wonder why the Padres really thought they could really flip this guy even though he was trending in such a bad direction um and what's kind of happened now with the transition from him in San Diego I mean they've given him so many opportunities to close out these games and he just cannot get it done. It's a big question mark right now for this Padres team heading into October and at least heading into September, because we're not going to see Tatis this season. We are not going to see, I mean, right now we're not seeing the Josh Hader that we've been used to seeing this season so far. So it just looks like, okay, now we have Machado and Soto trying to almost carry this team now. And instead of going from a juggernaut team, it almost looks like a team that's going to limp into the playoffs and Who knows what's going to happen again in in, in October? I mean, they're probably going to have to go in and play uh, the 3C, which probably could be uh, probably going to be the Cardinals and, you know, the way the Cardinals have been playing very well right now. But, I mean, it's just it's been a shocker. I I don't really know what to say about it. I don't know how to explain it. He's been walking everybody nonstop. His control has been awful. Um, I mean, I mean, for a Padres right now, I, I, I mean, you definitely got a big question mark to look at for the next what? 30 games to finish out the year who's going to be closing your ball games is Josh Hader not the guy right now who is the guy to go to so um it, 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 there's no spider attack thing you know that we know of of course where you know last year ERA shot up when spider attack got taken out so you just wonder what is the main issue because I mean it's been going on for about a month and a half now where the ERA has just spiked tremendously I mean we're, we're going back to those games where I think it was against the Giants in San Francisco where he gave up you know three home runs in one inning and I think it was a like grand slam to Yastremski or something like that. Do, and you, and do you it, have it his was stats just unbelievable. Front,
1: do you have his stats in front of you? I do, yeah. What's his season ERA?
0: Right now it's a 6-5-2.
1: Which, Travis, if I told you that oh. in like mid-June when he was at a one-something and he was three months in a row like our reliever of the season, like our all MLB reliever, oh yeah, yeah, just both of us, consensus, like easy decision. I might have had Clay Holmes one time, but like <laughs> yeah. he, he, he was such – an easy pick for the ninth It was inning. game
0: over. Two strikeouts, game over.
1: All, yeah. all, all, world, all world closer, and to be two months later, two and a half months later, you have a, over a six ERA is completely. I've never seen something like that yeah. uh, in my recent time. Travis, you brought up the Padres and how they kind of fit into the whole. Um, you know, you said limp into the playoffs, and just give me your give me your thoughts here, because. Um, there's seven teams in my mind fighting for the NL six spots yep. in the National League. The Giants are the last team out of that group, and it's not impossible for them. They are about actually seven,
0: seven and a half back from a uh, six seed right now.
1: So they're probably kind themselves out.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Arizona is two games back from them, and they're I think definitely out. So
1: yeah, they're they're, they're already calling up the yeah, all their young yeah, prospects to yeah. to give them a shot. So let's just think about the the top seven, the NL. It's The Dodgers as a lock in the division, mm-hmm. it's the Mets and the Braves. Either one could win the division, but they will both definitely make the playoffs. They're like too far ahead of the rest of the wild card yes. teams, yeah. So, whoever wins that division, the other one will almost definitely be the uh wild card number one. Um, and then there's almost four teams in my mind, and you have to pick three of them. It's St. Louis, who is currently uh leading the NL Central. And it they is, look terrific. It is the Phillies who are third in the NL East, but right and they're now, getting Harper back. <laughs> right now are they are the second spot of the wild card as yep. we speak. The Padres are the third wild card team who they've had these issues, but the talent we know is there, it right? Is there. Yeah. And if they miss the playoffs these back-to-back seasons, it would be the biggest shock, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And then the last team in that mix is the Brewers. They are one game out of the wild card, and if I go to the NL leaderboard, they are just oh, actually they're five and a half back from the Cardinals. Yeah, so the Cardinals, Cardinals are getting some ground. They're making a nice cushion for themselves. But if you had to pick between uh, Cardinals, Milwaukee san diego and phillies you had to count one of those teams out which team are you going to have to lean to at this moment a lot so a lot of baseball to play but who would you lean towards uh, missing out in the postseason
0: right now the phillies have been playing too much of good baseball so yes. I, I think the phillies ha- i'm not going to say a lock but i think the phillies have to be a really strong team to make the playoffs this year i don't know where they're going to fit in in the seating but i think they're they're a good team to make the playoffs right now if i had to bet um i think the cardinals are pretty strongly going to win the nl central um i i think it's they're just gaining ground every single day it just seems like they're getting better and better as the season goes on pools is getting hot um we'll cover him in a little bit alex but pools getting hot goldschmidt still keeping that mvp status arenado doing arenado plays every single night so cardinals of course never going to count them out they should be the division winners uh you know when all said and done giants i think they're done i I don't think i give them a shot at all but i mean it comes down to Milwaukee and San Diego. Um, Milwaukee has the pitching. They don't have the offense. Um, it just seems like the pod, the Padres have a little bit of both. Still, they have the pitching and they have the offense. I, it, It's gonna come down to who they're playing, I think. And I think Milwaukee will have a nicer schedule in the end playing Chicago, playing Cincinnati, playing Pittsburgh. Potters are gonna have to play the Dodgers, the Giants, Arizona, and Colorado. A lot of good teams in the NL West. So that's one thing that concerns me about being a Padres fan and if they're going to make the playoffs this year, is that the September schedule will probably be a little bit of a uh, of a more of an upset for uh, for for you know the Padres right now? Is that you know they're going to have to be playing on their heels almost every single night, and they're going to be playing against teams that want to shock them and you know get them out of the playoff hunt. So it's I think I'd be scared right now if I was a Padres fan, but I still think they are a are a tough they're 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 a top six team in my opinion. I think they're going to finish a top six team, but um,
1: so you're going to give them a slight edge over the Brewers? I'll give them a
0: slight edge over the Brewers. I just feel like the Brewers, again, have just been just trending in such a, such a weird and bad direction where, you know, they just can't seem to figure out the offensive part. We talked about it last week, Alex. I, I, the pitching has been very good. And the the hitting just cannot seem to back it up. So I, I I will say I think the Padres still have an edge. They still have the assets to get it done. I mean Machado's going off this year. Soto can have an insane you know September. They still have really good pieces, um, and they made a lot of good moves in the um, at the trade deadline where at least we thought. But haters hey, one of them that has been kind of ugly. But I, I I will say I think the Padres still have a a good shot at still making the playoffs. They just need to. I don't know what they need to do, but they just need to figure some of their pieces out. It's, it, it feels like if everyone can figure it out, then they shoot right back up. Then the putters are looking at a five seed right now. Then they're looking at, you know, possibly maybe a four seed. Actually, I won't say four seed because the, the Braves are right. nine games up right now. The, so The
1: Braves and the Mets are locked into at a, one two,
0: a two and a four. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so you mentioned the Padres' future schedule. You're kind of – were you guessing that's going to be bad or did you see their schedule just out of curiosity? I mean just
0: out of – I haven't seen their schedule, but I just know with, of course –
1: I just want to tell you that you're 100% right because they play the Dodgers in three different series in September. I I, I just know you play
0: your division the strongest in September and and they have a good division.
1: That is not the right time to uh, run into the Dodgers, of course, when you're – one game up before missing out on a playoff spot. So like I said, it's Dodgers three times for them. Two uh different series with Arizona. So that could be helpful for them if yep. they can handle business there. Also a series at Colorado, which at Colorado, even though Colorado is not a great team it right swings, now, yeah. it yeah. is just not a place you really want to be playing a lot. It just anything could happen to your pitchers or uh games could get blown up. And then there's also a series against St. Louis. So a lot of kind of um, I, I guess I'll just put it this way. The Padres are going to have to earn it down the stretch. Let's see if they do so. Um, and but- I will
0: say, one series to circle, it, it's, it's not an attractive series, Alex, but it's September 30th to October 2nd. Padres playing at home against the White Sox. Two organizations and two teams that have just been dropping Under- the ball the last two years. Yes. And so it's going to be fun to see if the White Sox somehow make a push in September. I think I checked right now a little bit ago, Alex. They are five games back of the division they are right now on baseball reference and we know the wild card does not seem very likely for the white Sox. They're six games back of a wild card spot so it's just man la Russa is just making it even worse case that he
1: there's no chance he I is not like.
0: the manager for that team and it, it just again it's a team that had some of the best odds to win the division this season and they're just dropping the ball tremendously and the potteries could be that team that are right alongside them and that could be a series where you look at and say who wants it more? You know, both teams looked at look to be strong playoff contenders to start the year and could be different at the end of the season. So, and we're
1: and we and we're not going to do the same exact exercise for the AL. Cause I feel like so much could still happen. The central is still completely undecided. Oh yeah. Cleveland is currently a top three seed in the American league. If you're talking about, um, I mean, they have the division, uh, lead, I should yep. say. So yep. not, not, not top three record, but, um, they will have a top three seed if the season ended today. Uh, I think neither of us saw that coming at all. Um, I think you said it when you said that um, if that division is not the White Sox way, it's the Twins way. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was a good uh, prediction the whole way till now. The Twins are still very much in the race. Only a couple, a couple games back of the wild card, a few games back of the division. But I think for the Cleveland to edge out both the Twins, who are a spender, and the White Sox, who are the most talented team in the division yep. um, based on just on paper— for the Cleveland, that like somehow if they can sneak into the playoffs, man, that would be super. I guess unexpected based on how they trade away Lindor. They kind of uh, we we almost said you guys should trade away J Ram because uh, you're not going to be winning now, and he deserves better. Well, look at that. He might help them make the playoffs, and that that'd be completely unexpected in my book. And then even the rest of the whole picture is really hard to predict, Travis, because um, right now. It's Tampa Bay is up one game, or they're up a half a game on Seattle. So wild card one is up a half game on wild card two. And then wild card two, Seattle, is up a half game on Toronto, who's wild card three. And then Baltimore is just two games behind them. Minnesota three games behind them. So it really is almost too tight and it can almost change too many ways to fully break down. Um
0: it just right now I can say, Alex, is that there's only one AL Central team making the playoffs.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be it would be a complete stunner. Yeah, a lot of teams would have to really fall off, which I don't see happening.
0: I won't I won't like send the vote in right now, but it just feels like, you know, Minnesota's two games back of the division but three games back of the wild card. And so it just it, it's kind of funky when you get that first place division C, which always seems to be the AL Central every single year for the past couple of years. The AL Central just always is kind of light when it comes to the uh to the record when you look at the west and the east they have def better first and second place teams according to the record but it's just funny that this year you know one central team looks like they're making the playoffs when it looks like that division was just kind of I could have seen I I really could have saw two teams make it just because the division just did not look very strong you look like teams could have beaten up on the Royals the Tigers even I didn't know the Guardians were gonna be this good Minnesota could have snuck in. White Sox could have won the division pretty outstandingly. And so it, it just seemed like it could be an easy way to get two teams in. But this year, it's just things have changed a little bit.
1: And, and it, Travis, I think it went both ways. um I think I sent you a tweet. I'm tr- I was trying to find it, but I couldn't. But it was something about how in the AL this year, I think the AL East as a division, the run differential was like plus, you know, a few hundred. It was yep. a huge number. The AL West is a close to zero. It's about like an even, like well-balanced division. And then the central was like a huge minus, minus several, a few hundred. And the NL was similar in that the NL West was like a huge number, I believe, um, because mostly the Dodgers, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's how it was. Or maybe the East was the stacked one. Actually, I think the East was the stacked one. The NL West is like positive, but not crazy number. And then the central was this huge negative as well. So it's pretty annoying to me that the central is seems so unbalanced and Travis that kind of transitions us into the next topic which is they are changing the schedules for next season. Amen. In a way that um Travis I pretty much called for this. I was praying this would happen about a year ago.
0: You were on a like a 2-hour rant one episode. If you guys go back I think it was, you know, episode I, 20 or 30 or something. I was
1: like just in some sort of craze <laughs> and I was I, I think I just get so upset every season Travis when I see A situation like uh this or i guess i'll say the al central this year Mm -hmm. where almost all the teams are sort of not taking over in the division but there are these other well these
0: divisions that just have weak links and you can just pound on them for 80 games out of the year
1: right and it just
0: seems like they're just you know it's a cheap way of making the playoffs where now as you'll explain everybody gets to play everybody
1: yeah so thank you for, for picking that up the uh Central has just been such a discombobulated mess for the last few years that no one's taking over. And there's like, Travis, honestly, like, I don't want to throw shade to the Guardians and what they're doing, and they deserve this playoffs if they make it. But I think almost everyone would say Baltimore is playing better baseball. Mm -hmm. They definitely have a harder schedule because they're playing these AL East teams all the time. They just beat up on the Astros. You know, the strength of schedule is not even close if you look at a team like the Rays, like the Baltimore orioles who have to play in that tough division versus a team like the guardians or the twins or the white Sox, who they play each other and they're all you know not bad teams but they're all not these juggernauts and then they get up they get a mess around with uh with the royals um and, and also the nl central like the bottom uh teams the bottom three there i mean the brewers and the cardinals they get a beat up on the pirates on the um the
0: reds and the cubs i'm you know. missing
1: the cubs yeah it's just like it's completely uh imbalanced i'll say so the good news is travis next season everybody is playing everybody that's not how it's been uh i think ever right i don't think that's ever been the case maybe maybe back in the uh actually never because back, yeah, w- back east when, and west b- back when they had uh AL and NL <laughs> e- even in the early days like the early 1900s the AL would never play the NL and vice versa until the World Series so mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: um and plus Alex I always go back to that season I think it was 2018 the uh Cleveland the Indians they went on to win the division and it, I I forget how many wins they had but they had like two or three other teams that had more wins than them but they were in a different division but since they were, you know, Cleveland was in the AL central and had the most wins in that division, they made the playoffs. So it just seemed like an unfair kind of season when you looked at uh, other teams and the way they finished. And then, you know, it it just kind of almost felt like unfair. And so, yeah, uh, at at least with now you're going to see everybody play everybody. Not only are we going to play every AL team angels, you know, your team, whatever team you guys cheer for the viewers, um, you're going to see them play every single MLB team could be at, your home stadium could be at the other team's home stadium, but it's, it's going to create that more diverse feeling that I'm really excited to see now every year, Alex, we can look forward to seeing maybe the Mets going to angel stadium. Maybe we're going to see the Cardinals going to angel stadium. So I think it makes more of a buzz for the, the fan base because I don't want to see the angels play the A's in August. If they're playing, if they're playing the Pittsburgh pirates,
1: I might want to go see that game. we, 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 We play the same teams, the A's and the Rangers and the Mariners, uh, 19, 20 times, whatever it might be. It's it's just too much. And uh, I think they shortened that down to like 13 times each or something like that, 13 or 14. Yeah. And then like all those extra games get spread out to the other teams across the other league. So for me, Travis, the two big pros that I, why I wanted this to happen and why I'm happy it's now finally happening is the first big pro is, like you said, interesting matchups we're not used to um angel fans or sorry people who like go to angel games but maybe they're like a braves fan or maybe they just love acuna yeah they get to see him come to the ballpark if not this year the next year oh it's going to be you know a regular thing going forwards mm-hmm. um pe- more people get to see shoyotani other nl teams haven't had the chance i mean if you're if if before if you were like say a cardinal fan only one in every three years does your team play the angels and you might be uh either like home or away, you might not even be able to see them in your own ballpark if things don't line up properly. So the opportunities to see big names come to your home stadium is much higher. And then just to see more interesting matchups when you're watching on TV is also much higher. And then the other thing is what I already mentioned, being that nice competitive balance. I think it does improve a lot, the competitive balance, Mm -hmm. when you um, expand the schedule in this way because you can't just beat up on your own weak division or you can't can't get kind of... uh, pushed down by your strong division which travis i like think the blue jays last year are a good example of a team they were one game away from making the playoffs and they really were hot at the end of the season they were and i think if you look at their strength of schedule i mean they played the yankees and red sox a bunch who both made the wild card they played the Rays a bunch it was a stacked division yeah and they were almost the victim of the fourth way- place <laughs> and, and, right and so travis um, the counter the counter argument to the new schedule is people are worried we might lose out on some of the divisional matchups. I'll briefly say my thought and then give you the floor. People say oh, the thing about baseball historically we've always had these like, divisional rivalries it's always braves fans hate mets fans mets fans hate braves fans cardinals and brewers fans go back and forth you know dodgers have the giants and the padres they can kind of chirp with AL has all you know i mean yankees yankees red sox you know is where it it should all start the conversation um but every team has these divisional you know if they're not rivals at least little feuds teams you look forward to you really want to you know charis right now we want to stick it to the mariners every yeah. time we play them because yep. uh they were a team that's kind of rising right now and we wanted to say hey you guys are still uh you know this is not your division yet yep. don't don't act like you guys are the astros or something so we wanted to stick it to them you know but um that's the nature of the whole divisional uh structure of the mlb my opinion first of all we're still playing them like 13 times <laughs> yeah, we're still yeah. playing them more than anybody else i think so. i looked
0: it, for Instance like the Angels, we're gonna to go to Oakland two times next year, and then Oakland's gonna to come to us two times, so it's four series in total. So spread out between what 12, 13 games, 14 games, or something like that,
1: right? So, I mean, we're still playing your division plenty, and then even still, um, just because you don't play them 20 times doesn't mean it's not a rivalry anymore. Yeah, the Giants and Dodgers they probably like beating up each other whenever the, uh, they meet each other in the playoff or sorry, in the regular season, but. Shortening that game amount, I think, is a very fair sacrifice to um, increase the diversity of the matchups and to increase the competitive balance for, like, seeding for the playoffs. But um, do you see any value to that argument of being worried about the divisional tension kind of uh, fading out of baseball? Is that a worry of yours?
0: It's not because, I mean, in baseball, we play 162. Every other sport, you play, what, football, you play 17, 18 you know weeks yeah. or you know, I think it was 17 games 17 right games now. NBA NHL you play 82, 82. Yeah. baseball you play 162 and and no one wants to see 80 games against your division I mean and that that's just my opinion and I think most people can agree on that you know when you look at football for instance you know you look at like Rams and 49ers I mean they're going to play each other two times one time at One team's home field and the other team's home field. So you have that rivalry right there. You play them two times in a year in in the fall, at least. And that's good enough for me because you definitely get that, you know, it's not happening all the time, but it's, it's, it's a nice, you know, calendar circle date to look at and look forward to where in baseball, it's like, okay, you can look forward to, you know, Houston or Seattle coming to you know Anaheim two times out of the year, but not three or four times where you're, you know, you're just playing them overkill, uh, you know, In July and August where, you know, we want to see them play other teams, more exciting teams. Alex, I remember when when our pools got traded to Anaheim. And I think we had to wait like nine years or eight years before Albert could make his return to St. Louis. Yes. And it was just it was funny because I think it was two times St. Louis came to Anaheim and everyone was like, Oh darn. Like, you know, next year they're playing the NL central. Maybe Albert will make his return to St. Louis. And it's like, Oh, never mind." St. Louis is actually going to come to Anaheim. So who we'll made, to, who made that schedule? We'll, by we'll the have way. to wait another three years. Exactly. And so we had to wait till 2019 and then Albert made his return back to St. Louis nationally televised games. Everybody loved it. I think he hit a home run on one of the Saturday games. It was so cool to see. And it's like, now we can see that possibly every year or every other year if we're not playing them you know at home or at their stadium this year then next year we'll play them at their home stadium or at home so yeah i i I like the diverse play of it
1: It, it, it's always fun when you know the angels go to philadelphia and it's like oh this is where trout was you know he grew up not that far from philly yeah and he was a span of fan of philly sports as a kid you know he's a big eagles fan and so like there's like the hometown vibe of it and that was like before, like once every six years or something like yeah. that. But now it can be a more frequent thing. Um, and the same goes for all the other fun matchups. You know, Soto, whether it be, you know, Soto going to. I feel like just there's something about like seeing like maybe Juan Soto in like Fenway or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Or like yeah. whoever it is, you know, Tatis at uh at Yankee Stadium. Like yeah. Those are kind of yeah. the kind of matchups where I'm like. It would be fun to see that more. Mookie going to Boston, I think you mentioned, they actually have that matchup. In August, yeah. Mookie's first return to Boston since being traded. That's something that can happen more often now, seeing these kind of more unique matchups in cool ballparks. It just, I think it makes the sport more interesting and I think it makes it better. Um, But I'm glad to be kind of agree on that because some people, I guess, are concerned about, you know, losing the divisional rivalries and stuff. I think not only the rivalries, they'll still stick around but they're not even that important, right? I was like, we like beating up on the Mariners and the A's, but I don't want to play them more. I want to, yeah. pl- I want to play them less.
0: Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. And you know what's cool this year or next year is that we will actually get to see a World Series preview matchup sometime in the season. You know, years past, you might say, oh, the Astros and the Braves haven't met. They didn't meet last year ever because they didn't play right. that division. But now you can say, hey, these two teams met in May. Here's how the three-game series went. Yes. This team tore it up because maybe they're on a, they're on a hot streak they can kind of see what this pitching matchup looks like. You know, you can kind of at least get the preview started already so you can see, hey, next year, Dodgers, Yankees, they play next year sometime or, you know, maybe even look at Toronto and Philly or, you know, just you can get so many crazier matchups. We're like, okay, these teams are playing. Now we can get more excited and Alex, they haven't released. um, They released a bunch of dates. I know there's a, you know, game in London between the Cardinals and the Cubs. Right. They they released I believe the the Little League game next year where it's gonna I think it's gonna be Phillies and Nationals so okay. um I don't again I don't know why they picked Nationals but whatever um but congrats they, congrats they, Washington fans they did yeah. not release the um you know the what we talked about I think either last week or the week before they did not release the Field of Dream game but now you can have a bigger you know spectacle on you know what team you want to have play in that game yeah and it can be an interleague match make it interleague you know? why not like it could be it it, have- it, it, i mean like i said you could literally have an east coast team and a west coast team from different leagues playing and playing each other you could have dodgers yankees you could have giants red Sox. you know you could you can make it really fun and creative so I, i'm really excited for that kind of stuff
1: yeah i totally agree um the more matchups the better uh it, it's gonna be a lot of fun seeing you know uh just ma- yeah imagine we not used to like devers at that dodger stadium you know it's it just just tons of fun stuff but um i'm glad we're both excited about that change um i'm excited for next year's schedule you know
0: yeah and, and which i'm wondering now too because they had they released everyone's schedule but i'm i'm sure you can now look at like because what what is the the, the dream the dream game it's played what late or early august so you can maybe or early august you can maybe look at everyone's early august matchups and say which one's the most intriguing Maybe this will be the field dream game, but
1: maybe they'll um, pick the, the least intriguing one like they did this year, <laughs> but you know, who knows?
0: Detroit and Pittsburgh, historic teams and uh, the, you know, ex- exciting, exciting players. So
1: some some sweet throwback unis as we watch, you know, oh yeah, I was Brian Reynolds, you know, win the one zero game, but um, Travis, a uh, couple last couple things before we wrap up here, um, Tim Anderson, Will Smith. Kyle Tucker, all committed to Team USA in the last week for the World Baseball Classic. Every week, we want, we want to kind of update you guys on, you know, the breaking news in terms of the World Baseball Classic. Me and Travis are both really excited for, you know, potential uh, big matchups. I think the one that a lot of people would love to see is USA versus Dominican Republic. A lot of talent um, on those two squads. But adding Tim Anderson as your shortstop, Adding Will Smith as your second catcher. You already have JT Well Muto. Adding Tucker into an outfield that already had Betts, already had Trout, already had uh, And I, I, I Bryce think Betts Harper. was
0: added before the last episode, Alex, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. Okay.
1: So I'm just saying you have now Tucker as your fourth outfielder in a way. Um you have two first basemen, which is why people keep saying Alonzo as the DH. Mm-hmm. Um, Betts, in theory, can shift over to second base. He has played there in the MLB. Sorry, Story. Don't know if we'd see it, but yeah, I mean Story as a second baseman, he's you know a player that you know. I'm not gonna. He's a good player. I don't want to. He's like, the
0: lowest stock on the team, I'd say. I
1: I, I would I would probably agree. Um, and so with that in mind, there's definitely a chance you see some versatility there. But Anderson, you can buy pencil in for shortstop. And the rest of the spots seem pretty solid. Mm -hmm. You know, Will Smith and uh, Gigi Ramuto, it's a great battery down there. Um, Both are kind of more athletic catchers. Uh, I think they're both, you know, great players that, you know, are going to be great for the team. The Team USA, Travis, is shaping up to be a lot better than I thought it would just because I was always uh, skeptical about who's going to commit to this team, right? Who's down to... Um, you know, start this pretty much you're starting your season early almost yeah, a few weeks six early. weeks earlier. So, yeah, the preparation
0: and, gets started earlier.
1: And because of that, you know, the one thing we really don't know yet is which pitchers are going to be in for Team USA. I know for the Team Dominican Republic, Sandy Alcantara is committed and there's one other pitcher that's committed. I think I can't I think Class A might be committed and there's one other starter pitcher that I can't think of, but um, not not a huge name. Uh, but Team USA has no pitchers committed yet um i'm still just not sure who they're gonna get mm-hmm. i i still think that the, the top level guys i'm i don't want to count them out but <laughs> i just don't see it the Gram, a cole a burns um guys who you know i yeah. mean especially the Gram is like looking for a big deal this offseason like i just don't see that um taking any risks maybe an older guy who's like locked into his place like verlander if he wants to take his option and just like pitch for the team but i still think uh Maybe some younger names make sense, like maybe like a Logan Webb. I'm, I'm not sure who, yep. who makes sense, but um, Team USA is shipping up nicely. I'll just say that. Give me your thoughts on where the team is at right now. Um, what do you think about potential pitchers and just how the team stacks up who's already committed?
0: Yeah, week by week, it seems like it's getting stronger and stronger. Right now, the bench looks very good. The outfield bench looks good. Now you have time to maybe even rest Trout in a couple games. I know their first... Um, what is it? Their first pool of teams that they have to play to kind of you know advance in the tournament. I think it's Mexico. I think it's Canada, and I think it is either Israel, Israel, or Italy. It was a country with an eye, and uh, you know from right there, you kind of say USA looks like the strong, heavy favorite. Um, I think Mexico right now it's just going to be Urias and Kirk, <laughs> and then Canada maybe maybe Freeman goes to Canada. Um, I, I'm I'm trying to think of other guys that can play for Team Canada. Vado will be hurt. Um, I think. Yeah. Votto be hurt. But I mean, right now you can maybe look at that first pool, that first, you know, opening round to be, you know, getting guys reps, kind of getting guys, you know, into the groove of playing in it, playing in competition, play right out of the gates. Um, You know, if you have Tucker and you have Mullins on the bench, that's really, that's two good left-handed hitters on the bench waiting to be, uh, to be put into the, into the lineup or to be put into motion. But um, yeah, I I mean, it'll come down to the pitching and who wants to come into pitch um for you know the 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 four weeks the three weeks of the tournament um the pitching will be the trickiest one I think out there because like you said pitchers are very superstitious it will uh it will definitely affect their preseason their pre-spring training kind of activities that they got to do some guys probably got to start ramping up you know Christmas time New Year's they really got to start ramping up because I think it starts beginning of March and I know these guys are probably gonna be heading to spring training even probably earlier than they thought just to get that activity in with their ball club then of course got to be shipped off to uh to their designated you know cities or locations to uh to play in the classic but I mean The last couple of weeks, it's been exciting with bets, with Tucker, with some of these guys, you know, joining the team. Um, At first, it was kind of looking as almost a, okay, we we, we look decent. You know, I think that that DR or some of these other countries could have a more powerful roster. But I think the last couple of days, last last week or so, um, it's been reassuring. But the big thing will come down to the pitching. And I'm excited to see, you know, which guys we get. If it's guys that are already on these long term deals, would Cole kind of just say, hey, you know. What if the Yankees win the World Series this year? Cole kind of has that ring. He, maybe he doesn't have that Cy Young just yet, but he has that ring and be he says, I want to go win, you know, another championship with the US. You know, do something special of that, of that sort of nature. So
1: g- g- give me one prediction. Give me one picture who you're gonna just he just feels like someone that's gonna say yes and wanna wanna compete for Oh, USA. I think I said
0: last time Zach Wheeler. He's in Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's a good choice. Zach Wheeler's in. Oh yeah. You think so? Oh, he's in.
1: <laughs> we'll see about that, but yeah, I think. I mean, the Phillies have a few guys I think would work. I think Nola, um, and
0: Nola might be looking for a new contract, right? I mean, I think he's got an option, or yeah, I think he. He may.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, there's, I, there's. Every time I check the the site Track it like has all the uh, like contract details. Mm-hmm. So many options going on. I just kind of wait till the season ends to figure all that stuff out, but um travis just since we've been recording the angels have been playing the yankees both otani and judge have homered we're not going to get in the whole mvp debate right now because first of all this series you know was gonna is gonna tie into the narratives of 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 the whole race um but it really feels like it's going to be a judge otani one and two in some order definitely a lot of the media seems to be kind of leaning judge but um still a month to play and otani has the opportunity to increase his stock faster than anybody because if he has a monster hitting month and yep. pitching month, his stock almost doubles faster than anyone else's could double. So, um.
0: we we are we are witnessing a I mean honestly we are witnessing a truly historic season in terms of MVP voting. I know John Morosi, one of the um, baseball writers this morning, noticed that you know Judge and Otani. It's going to be one of those things where whoever wins. I think the voters can agree and say you're not wrong. You know, both guys have been such high impact players. It just feels like
1: we'll see, Travis. Maybe I think you are wrong if you pick Judge. (laughs) Well, like I said, I don't. I want to wait till the season resume is Mm -hmm. complete, right? Because you know, maybe Otani tails off and Judge spikes. Maybe the other thing, the opposite happens, and a a lot of ways to kind of you know narrow it down. But I really do wonder. There's a lot of buzz around Judge chasing Maris, right? If he doesn't Mm. get there, I wonder if that will. You know, negatively hurt a stock. I feel like people don't really see it that way. They they're kind of like, oh, even if he finishes with fifty nine, it's still you know home run leader and still blah blah blah. But yeah, you yeah. know, we'll we'll see when the time comes what number they kind of end up at. But I think Judge is at what? He just hit one, so he's at where is he?
0: He's I think he's at fifty. Fifty flat. He, he's okay. at fifty flat. So yeah, fifty home run. And and the one thing that is big too, and and maybe this is looked at as, as a way of looking how special he's been is that what's Alvarez? Alvarez is second, I think, in home, second in the AL. So I don't know who's second in the MLB. But looking right. at that gap between Judge and second MLB, it's it's up there with like 15 to 14 uh, difference in home yes. runs, which is, is the, pretty significant and crazy right
1: there. The dead ball is affecting everybody but Judge, it seems, because he has that raw power to where it might not even make a difference what kind of ball you throw him. He's going to muscle it out of the park. But yeah, like I said, today, Otani and uh, Judge both were able to hit home runs, uh, you we just know.
0: really need that Otani pitching matchup. I mean,
1: it would have been a lot of fun. It would have been fun. It um, would have been fun. But yeah, uh, Travis, Angels kind of hot right now. Uh, they won three in a row in Toronto. They're winning right now against the Yankees 4-3. to three. Don't want to jinx them, but we want to catch the end of that game <laughs> if we can. Um, but yeah, the Angels have been kind of rolling. Don't want to get too deep into them. But they had a series where they played in Toronto. A couple guys couldn't make the trip because of COVID uh i try because the vaccination uh requirements mm-hmm. and some of the young guys kind of stepped up they had the best offensive performance of i feel like a series that they've had at least since may right yeah like it's like yeah. one of the best three games in a row where the pitching and the offense both really showed up in a big way i think we
0: died when we played the blue jays at angel stadium and then we kind of reawoke when we went to toronto <laughs> to play the blue jays maybe that's just maybe we get off to you know Maybe we just don't lose, Alex. Maybe we just kick in the gear and we went out. Yeah,
1: I'd be down for that. But uh, (laughs) it's funny that the Blue Jays series, Travis, Angels hitting coach Jeremy Reed, unvaccinated, is not not able to to travel with the team. Angels hit nine home runs in the three-game series. What is that? That is crazy. You know, like... I, I mean, I don't think any Angel fan expected that level of an offensive performance, and I don't think that's all because of the hitting coach that we've, we've been we've been bagging on him all season, right? But <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think him not being there is the reason for it because, um, like planning for a game is bigger than just like three game span. Like yeah. this has been something that's happening for months for the Angels of so these hitters slowly kind of uh, devolving. But um, you know, it definitely is kind of a funny like symbol or like maybe like a metaphor for, um. Maybe he's got to be coach.
0: you know not not a hitting coach anymore for the Angels. You know,
1: I'm thinking that in the offseason, Travis, a lot of things get addressed, including the hitting coach mm-hmm. as well as the manager. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> um, I, I was happy to see they called up um, names from Double A, the Double uh, A team for the Angels, the affiliate, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, are in the Double A playoffs, I believe, or they're, I think they've already clinched. I don't know if that's our most good.
0: exciting team.
1: It it honestly is like. You know, they called up Ryan Aguilar, who's a hometown kind of kid, and he just has uh, totally had a resurgence in AA this season. He, like, walks a crazy amount. His on-base is, like, his uh, bread and butter right now, but the power kind of came along halfway through the season. He earned his spot uh, on the Blue Jays during the Blue Jays series, but unfortunately got sent back down, um, which I don't get, Travis, because I think that we need to keep playing the young guys in order to See what we got for next season, you know, like, you know, I I feel like, you know, a guy like maybe Ford, who's playing first base tonight, yeah. is less likely to be in our future plans um, next season and years after than a guy like Aguilar. But other guys, you know, really showed up, you know, even Suzuki's hitting home runs, you know, everybody kind of chipped in in that series. Um, but I'm excited for some of the young guys on the Trash Pandas. I don't want to get too into that right now. Um, but Travis, <laughs> at, at some point here, you and I are going to have a breakdown of, you know, Zach Neto. Logan O'Happy there's just some some exciting names down there that are mashing the ball. So, um, you know, even if the Angel fans are kind of in pain right now, hopefully uh, things kind of take a positive turn in the future. But um, anything else this week, Travis, You can think of
0: nothing else. I mean, winning this game that'll be what a four-game winning streak so far. So, I mean, let's hope a- we can close it out a- after what happened in Tampa. Um, it's you know, it was a brutal sweep that the Angels gave up, and uh, you know. At least when it went into Toronto with uh, with some high hope and was able to you know sweep that series. It's funny how, you know, like I said, the 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 AL East has just been kind of a roller coaster this year where you Definitely see the Yankees has. has just been on such a low point of their season the last couple of weeks. Toronto, again, I think like I mentioned to you, they were one in nine sometime in this season. They just went on a total skid where they just could not figure out to win a ballgame. Boston started out awful, got really good. Then they get again, crumbled and got really bad. Baltimore, who of course started out really bad, has climbed up. So it's just funny how the AL East, it seems like Tampa might be the only successful consistent teams throughout the year. Despite but
1: their injuries. Yes, exactly.
0: Exactly. But it just, it's funny with that AL East, how good it is. It just feels like every team has just been on a roller coaster this year where, you know, Yankees have a seven and a half game lead right now. According to baseball reference, it could change tonight. It probably will change tonight. But I mean, we thought they were the favorites about two to three weeks ago. And right now, if Tampa plays a really hot September, they could catch the Yankees and we'd be looking at another raised division title. So, I mean, anything can happen in that East right now. It looks like three teams, possibly four teams are, you know, I would say three teams look like they're safe to probably make the playoffs, but you know, I've seen crazier things happen in September where, you know, things get really shaken up. But I mean, Yankees definitely are getting pressed right now. Maybe that's a good sign. Maybe that's something that they needed for October. They, maybe they're, you know, jogging to the finish line was going to be a bad thing for them as for some of these teams maybe that they just get they get too comfortable and when sure. you know playoff baseball starts maybe they can't pick it up for you know two or three games and they find themselves sitting on the couch with uh with the angels and the angel fans you know so yeah. you know i
1: mean uh, we would welcome them i'm sure but <laughs> but uh yeah charles that pretty much wraps up the this week's episode um a lot of stuff to keep track of in the coming weeks we're gonna keep updating you guys on the World baseball classic teams on all these division races. Um, the pool's home run counter keeps ticking up. He has six more to go. Six ninety-four, uh, two, two away
0: from A-Rod. Two to
1: two to two, two away from tying A-rod. We'll see if he can do that. But Travis, um, that does it for this week. Uh if you're listening this far, thanks so much for your support. And we'll talk to you guys next week.
0: Presented by Tool
1: Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>